All right. God's good. All the time. We have uh, the last part of our sermon series today, Carry On. And I lo- I've loved this series. I-, I hope you have too. It's just been really good for me. And I love the different uh, metaphors that Paul uses. The first three are really common. The soldier, the athlete, of course, with the Olympics, and then the farmer. The last three have been a little bit like we've kind of dug them out. It's been the workman, which Marcus preached on, did a great job a couple weeks ago, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have to know how truth applies to us. And then last week, we used the vessel or the container. I had the, especially this service, I had the stuff foaming all over. And then today, we're going to talk about the servant. The servant and the workman are a little bit different. The servant would be kind of the whole, uh, maybe someone that you would have show up. Up. You know, we have different people working at the house for us sometimes, and and uh, it's so. What I want to do today is give is put tools in your tool chest. Okay, things that you can do to to kind of take away. Have the have those tools. Most of you know uh, I'm not real handy. I, my some of my brothers are are very handy. You know, they build additions onto their home and they're adding decks and different stuff. And my tools. Um, they're, in a, they're held in a Folgers coffee can. Uh, you can ask Janie. That's, that's my tool chest. Some of those guys have those big tool chests. You know, I went to Lowe's a while back, and there was a tool chest. There was like a couple thousand dollars. I said, oh, honey, I'd like to have this. And she said, why? You're going to put clothes in it? You ain't got no tools. I mean, you can't. I mean, what, what are you going to use it for? And I just, it'd be cool. It'd look good in my, in my garage. She said, no, we're not, we're not getting it. Rightfully so. I have all my tools in a Folger coffee can that I can't find. I've lost the Folgers coffee can. Uh, it's around the house somewhere. I just do not know where it's at. I, I could not find it. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I, so, so, today, so today, I want to give you tools because if you're a servant, we had a guy come to the house when we first moved into the house that we're in right now, and it was a satellite dish provider, and he showed up about 45 minutes late, which usually they give you a window anyway, not a big deal. I came into the office, and Janie waited for the, the dish guy, and so... He showed up 45 minutes late, and uh, he said, hey, ma'am, I, I left my tools at home, and I live at Lake James, and, I, 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 and do you have any tools I can borrow? And she said, basically, you don't know my husband, do you? <laughs> and uh, he's got a coffee can somewhere, and oh, you don't like, I need this, and then she said, you're going to have to go get your tools. So he came to install a satellite dish, didn't have any tools in the whole van that he had. Now, this is sometimes, and I want to be careful, but... This is sometimes how we are as Christ followers. God gives us all these tools. If we leave them home and never use them, who's at fault? Not God. It's us, right? So we have to make sure that we use the tools. And so as a servant of God, which we are today, Paul gives us some tools. And then I'm going to give you some tools out of the Old and New Testament that I think every believer has, even if they don't know it. So let's pray, then we'll read, and then we'll cover a couple of scriptures. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. We thank you for every person here, those watching online. We thank you, Lord, for the saints in the house and those that, Father Lord, are, are maybe seeking or searching and trying to figure out who they are in Christ, if there even is a Christ or not. We know that there is. We, 
we believe you wholeheartedly. You've changed our lives. So now open our hearts to hear and receive. Uh, Lord, every good word that comes, Father, today, it comes from you. In Jesus' name we pray and the church said amen. Let's go uh, to 2 Timothy. This has been our text uh, chapter, the second chapter. I read this verse last week, but I need to read it again. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies, okay? The, listen, church, you need to rise above those things that do not matter. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't matter to people. That doesn't mean that they don't matter to society. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about they don't matter in the scheme of the kingdom because there's more powerful uh, conversations that you can have in the spiritual realm, in the kingdom realm, that are going to make things these things take, take better care of themselves. Amen? So we have to know that. You know that they breed quarrels. In other words, if you're on social media, always, you know, trying to sound off and do those things, or in person anymore, sometimes it's easier on social media because you just say it and blab it and then you forget about it, but people bring it up sometimes years after the fact. Hey, remember when you said that? They breed quarrels. I don't think God wants us to quarrel in the kingdom. And the Lord's servant, that's us today. So we were, we've been a farmer. We've been a good soldier. We've been an athlete. We've been a workman. Last week we were a container, a vessel. Now we're the Lord's servant. Must not be quarrelsome. Can you say Amen. But kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, verse 25, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So again, today, I think Paul's teaching us some stuff to put in our tool chest. And hopefully, today, you'll need the giant tool chest from Lowe's Hardware, not the coffee can that Pastor Mark has, all right? We want to fill your tool chest full today. That's when you walk away, you can say, man, I didn't realize I had all this power, that I had all this authority, that I had, I mean, that God really, truly does love me, and he empowers me with stuff. God loves you, amen? Turn to somebody and say, God loves you. I mean, we know, I think Janie said it either first or second, so God is love. God is love. God is love. I mean, God doesn't have love. God gives love, but God is love. And so we have to know, let's go, we're going to go through this a little meticulously at first, and then we'll get into some other stuff. So let's go to verse 24 and kind of read some points from there. So us, we, you and me, we're the Lord's servant. Again, this is number six in what Paul says metaphorically are through this second Timothy, the second chapter. He started out with a good soldier. Then he started out, then he came back with an athlete. Then he came back with the, the uh, farmer. And then Marcus talked about the, the workman, needing not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then last week we were containers or vessels. Today we're the Lord's servant. Paul does this intentionally because although... Uh, the other ones are all important. This one he wants to high center on just a little bit. Hey, if you're the Lord's servant, then there might be some ways that you need to act and I need to act. And we have to be reminded of this because sometimes we get caught in the world, okay? Well, this is how the world acts. And if we're not careful, we bring the way the world acts then into the church. And the church isn't supposed to act like the world. The church is supposed to be a, a forerunner for the world to look at and say, well, I want to be 
like those people right there. That's, that's who I want to be like. That's, that's my aim. That's my goal. So he says, the Lord's servants must not be quarrelsome, but this is the first one, kind to everyone. Now, the key word there is everyone. I mean, it's easy for me to be kind to you all because I love you all. It's easy for me to be kind to my wife or to my kids. It's easy for me to be kind most of the time to our dog. <laughs> most of the time. Uh, when, I, when we don't have them, it's really easy to be kind to them. We share a dog. We share a dog with Andrew and Emily. So when we don't have the dog, but I, I love the dog. I really love the dog. But, you know, sometimes it's hard to be kind to them. And I'm not talking about pets here, but I'm talking about people, all right? We need to be kind to you. Can everybody say everyone one more time? Everyone. It is critically important that we are kind to everyone. Pastor, what if they don't look like me? What if they don't act like me? What if they're different than me? you got to be kind to them. It just Paul says it, and I think he says it by the unction and by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to be kind to everyone. It's critically important. Do you know God is no respecter of persons? I mean, he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, but he's no respecter. Like, he likes Marcus as much as he likes me. And then for a while, I couldn't believe that. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joking. Picking, they call it around here. I'm picking. Listen, if for us to think somebody else is less than disrespects God. I mean, it's got to hurt. God created them. Their mommy and daddy didn't create them. God just used them to create them. God created them. We have to love them. We have to be kind to everyone. That's one. Number two, able to teach. And Paul's translation in this, if you read it through, it would actually say be t- able to teach and be taught. In other words, you really can't teach unless you've been taught. A teacher only teaches what he's been taught or she's been taught. Even our, our great teachers in our church, and we have, I think at one time we have or had 14 or 15 teachers in our church, so they all went to school and were taught so they could teach. And so this is what Paul's saying, be kind to everyone and then be able to teach. We have to know the word. Mark has spoken a couple weeks, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we take the truth now and we rightly divide it. We don't divide it for our self-interest. We divide it so that God pours into us as a tool chest the things that he wants us to know. He makes it rhema. He takes logo word that everybody knows. He turns it into rhema so that then we can eat off of it. Like we go to the grocery store and Jane will buy stuff off the shelf. So a lot of that stuff I can't eat just yet because it's in a can or it's not been cooked, but it's there. It's logo. It's, it's good. Now she cooks it up. She opens the can or she opens the, the, the beans or she opens the, she browns the hamburger or whatever she's going to do. She makes the roast. She cooks the steak. She does all that stuff. And now she presents it. So what became logo off the shelf, now it becomes rhema because she's cooking it. And this is the word of God. I read it and say, God, would you make it applicable to my life? Would you put it in my tool chest so that now it becomes rhema to me? Oh, God, I did not know I was that powerful. 
I did not know that I could do that in the kingdom of God. I thought only the worship team could do that or only the preacher could do that. I thought only the, only the, the deacon board could do that. I didn't know that just me sitting in a, a chair would be able to do call down fire from heaven. Yes, you have been powered. Like you, like you are the, God's the compressor and he's turning the compressor on. He just needs you to link up to it because you have all the power that you need sitting right there in those chairs and watching online. You, got, you are, but, but we have to be taught that so that then we can teach. See, what we're making here is disciples. We don't want just Sunday morning churchgoers. We don't want people to just come feel, feed me, pastor, feed me, pastor, feed me, pastor, and then not go out and do anything. We need to be taught so that we can teach. Because then I can do a, a small group or I can, I can have a Bible study. Or I, someone at the grocery store needs prayer. Well, let me, let me get my preacher on the phone. He, we can FaceTime them. <laughs> No, you can pray. You've been empowered. And then he says, patiently enduring evil. Patiently. You know, trials are going to come. James said it. Jesus said it. Trials are going to come. That word patience is the word hoopamone. Say hoopamone. It just sounds good, right? Hoopamone. One more time. Hoopamone. Hoopamone. You're in the trial of your life. Someone says, what are you going to do? Hoopamone. I'm going to cheerfully wait. That's what patience is. I'm cheerfully waiting. Dear Lord, the church don't want to hear that. The church wants to name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. I want my victory right now. I need my healing right now. I want, I want this miracle right now. Sometimes we have to wait patiently for God to do something that only he can do. But then when it endures evil, it's like, get out of here, Satan. I rebuke you right now in the name of Jesus. And we're saying it to God's creation. Why don't we just say, okay, I, this is not God's plan. I know this is not God's plan. I know that is not of God. But I'm going to patiently endure this so that I can glorify God in the end. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how God's going to work it out. I just know God is going to work it out. I just know it's going to be God's glory when he does work it out. And I'm going to say hoopamone. I'm going to cheerfully wait because that's what God told me to do. I'm not going to pout. I'm not going to moan. I'm not going to groan. I'm not going to be sad. I'm going to be a soldier of God. I'm going to be a workman of God. I'm going to be a servant of God. I'm going to stand up for God. I'm going to say, hey, if this is my plight in life, if this is the way God has for me right now, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk through it, but I'm not going to lose any faith because I know the victory's on the other side. I'm going to patiently endure evil. Let's go to verse 25. Verse 25 says, correcting his opponents with gentleness. And I don't really like the word opponent here, to be honest with you. But again, he's using metaphor. Like opponent says kind of a us versus them. I, I kind of think we're all in it together. The only thing, you either love God or you need to love God. You either accepted Christ or you need to accept Christ. So the goal of the church is if you haven't accepted Christ, to show you the love of God so that you do accept Christ. So he's correcting his opponent with what, though? Gentleness. You know, sometimes we don't correct with gentleness, do we? Sometimes, like, we're hard, that's tough love, man, that's hard love. And, and, and I'm not saying that doesn't need to be sometimes take place. Instruction, correction, improve. The Scripture tells 2 Timothy 3.15 that we should do that. But at the same time, Paul is saying, and maybe, just maybe Paul's preaching to himself a little bit, because if you read, and as we will uh, the next six weeks out of Galatians, uh, Galatians is really written because Paul and Peter, just they're, they're, they're not liking each other. 
they're, they're saying, well, these, shouldn't, these people shouldn't be allowed into the kingdom. Well, this one's saying, well, yeah, they should. They should. Well, if they are allowed in the kingdom, then they need, to allow, they need to line up with our laws. And this one over here is saying, well, no, that's not exactly true. They need, they need to line up with God's laws. And so Peter and Paul are at odds with each other, and Paul's not the most gentle person. Remember, he sent John Mark back home from the missions trip. Go home, you little baby. I can see him saying that. I, it's not, I'm not quoting, but I, I'm pretty sure he probably said it that way. Get out of here, baby. <laughs> and then it was like, hey, can I bring John Mark? No, leave him home. He's of no value to me. And then when he's ready to be offered up, he does say, bring John Mark back. So there's restoration. But Peter has to restore John Mark. And Paul sends him home. So I think maybe Paul's speaking to himself just like I am in some cases because I can blame it on the north where you get what you see and you see what you get. Southerners mask it a little bit differently and a little bit better than us northerners. But the fact is, sometimes all of us need to work on our gentleness a little bit. Well, you really told them. Janie will say, I did. (laughs) Did you think that was good? I don't know. I felt better. (laughs) See, it can't all be about me, can it? Neither can it all be about you. So he says, why is this? Why should we correct our opponents with gentleness? Because God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a truth of knowledge of truth. That's the final goal anyways, right? That person that maybe you don't disagree with, don't, don't get along with, or maybe just completely like, man, just get out of here. I don't get you. I don't understand you. Your gentleness may actually grant them God's repentance, and they come to the saving knowledge of truth. That's the goal. It's verse. uh, No, we're we're going to stop there. So, so hear me when we when we recognize that this truth, we're we're correcting our opponents or those that maybe think differently than differently than we do or act differently than we do and we're we're doing it though in a gentle state like hey let's let's walk this through together teach me talk talk to me on this and and so we 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 start a conversation we start moving down those lines and and then and then we we walk through some things and we think wow maybe and you say well you know pastor I don't get it you know and I you don't listen we don't have to get it as long as God's got it. It doesn't matter if we get it or not, as long as God's got it. Now, that doesn't mean we walk away from, like, doctrine or we, or we walk away from absolute truths or we walk which just means we got to give people a chance to come into the kingdom of God. And the only way to give them a chance is to be gentle rather than throw the book at them and say, man, as soon as they hit the door, man, I'm going to judge them left and right, up and down and say, man, I, I don't think you're a good fit here for us. What if, what if, what if that would have been Jesus? In fact, it was with the Pharisees. They, they, were, they were throwing Jesus out on, on different things because they didn't think he fit in with them. So he went and hung around sinners because the temple and the, the scribes and Pharisees wouldn't accept him. So, so when I was preparing for this message, I wanted to find tools in the scriptures. Like, God, I want to find some cool tools. Like, I, like I, want to, I, want to, I want to put some stuff in, in people's tool chests. I don't care if it's a folders can or the big old tool chest that loads. I want, to, I want to put some stuff in there. And so the Lord took me to a story in the Old Testament. He said, here's some of the tools that you need. And I'll preface it because everybody kind of likes Samson and Delia story. And Samson, you know, big and powerful. And, and uh, he was, took the Nazarite vow, so he 
didn't drink, didn't cut his hair, and uh, the Lord just did some special things with him. And several times in Scripture, the Spirit just rushed on him, just men, and he did mighty things. Well, he was a womanizer. He couldn't stay away from women, and he had a, a woman picked out to be his bride, and he had to go fight a battle. When he came back, uh, his father had given the bride away to somebody else, and, and so it was like he was just fit to be tied, and, the, and it, was a, it was a Philistine woman that didn't want to intermarry, and so she said, the father said, well, I'm going to give you her sister. She's better looking anyways, and so I could say something there, but I won't. I won't. Uh, <laughs> I was really good. I'm not, I'm not going to say it, but y'all, some of y'all maybe married the sister, right? So anyways, it, stop. <laughs> so he was mad. He was, he, was, he was fit to be tied. And this is where the, phrase, the saying actually comes from, fit to be tied. He took 300 foxes and he tied their two of them tailed together. So he had 150 pair of uh, foxes that he tied their tail. And inside the knot, he put a torch and lit the torch. And because he was mad at the Philistines for them doing what they did to him and taking his bride, that he set them in their grain field. He lit all the torches and he set the foxes in the grain field. And all the foxes were trying to get away from each other. Plus they were on fire. And so they, they burned all the grain down for the Philistines. Well, the Philistines were mad. They were livid, okay? And not only were they mad and livid, uh, Judah, of of which Samson lived, the people of Judah were were afraid because they served the Philistines. Let's go now to Judges 15, read 11 through 15. Then 3,000, this is what happened before the scripture. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Edom and said to Samson, do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What then is that that you you have done to us. And he said to them, as they did to me, so I've done to them. First of all, do you know that if you're in Christ, sin doesn't rule over your life anymore? You're free. Sometimes we still want to bow to sin because, well, that's the past or that's the way I was raised or I had things happen to me, all those things. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You have a new mind. You don't have to bow to that Philistine in your life anymore. Let's go to verse number 12. And they said to him, we have come down to bind you, that we may give you to the hands of the Philistines. Why? Because they were afraid of what the Philistines were going to do to them. Took 3,000 men to confront Samson. And Samson said to them, swear to me that you'll not attack me yourselves. He knew it was wrong for him to kill his own. Again, another word to the church. Can we stop killing our own people for just a while? Can we build each other up in the unity of the faith, as Paul said in Ephesians 4, rather than stomp them down? That's a good place to say amen. Thank you for those three of you that said amen. They said, they said to him, no, we will only bind you and give you over to their hands. We will surely not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up to the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms came flax as they caught fire, and his bonds meddled off his hands. Verse 15, here's our verse. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, put out his hand and took it, and with it he struck a thousand men. If you read the rest of the chapter, which we won't, he killed all thousand. Now listen, I'm thinking about tools in our tool chest. A jawbone of a donkey would not be my first one. 
That when, when, I'm, when I'm writing the list out, that's not even on the first top 1,000. Do I need a jawbone of a donkey? I, I don't want one, okay? But yet Phil, uh, Samson used exactly the only thing that he had, and what did he have? He had a jawbone. There was a carcass of a dead donkey lying there. Apparently he had rotted away, or the ravens came and ate it. He picks up a jawbone, and the Bible says in verse 14, the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And because the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, he killed a thousand of those Philistines with that donkey jawbone, and then he piled them up. And he was, it was just a tough day at the office for him. And so I'm thinking in myself, what are some of these other crazy things that different people use in the Old Testament that would part of their tool chest? Because the Old Testament gives us a representation of the New Testament, and sometimes there's a spiritual thing in there. By the way, a jawbone is a musical instrument. I did not know that until I studied this message. So there's something there about worship defeating your enemy. There's something there about praise defeating your enemy. He used a jawbone, yes, in reality, but in the spiritual realm, all we got to do is raise our hands up and the glory. God starts coming down. When our praise goes up, God starts to work things out. When we give a shout to the Lord, God starts to do things. You got to pick up your praise sometimes. You got to pick up your worship sometimes. You got to pick up your prayers sometimes. He picked up a donkey's jawbone. But God's given you tools in your tool chest. Look at some of these Old Testament things. They're, they're amazing. Samson had the jawbone, slew a thousand. Gideon had a water pitcher and a lamp. Last week we had the water pitcher, a vessel, a container. He, Gideon is taking a pitcher with him, and he's taking a lamp. He's going to defeat the whole Midianite army, which is thousands more than him. He shows up. He breaks the pitcher. He lights a lamp, and the Midianites run all over the place. God will use whatever he has that you're, that, at your disposal. It's an amazing thing. The Joshua had a shofar and a shout. Walk around that wall seven times, Joshua. It sounds crazy to anybody else, but then all of a sudden, do we have what do you have? Thank you. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't cue you on that. What do you have? Lost that point. What do you have? What do you have? See, Joshua has this picture, or Joshua has a shofar. He lets the priest go out first. He walks around. Then at the very end, we're going to blow the shofar, and we're just going to shout, and the walls are going to tumble down. It's like, what are you talking about, Joshua? Because Joshua's got so much credit with the army. He's like, this is what we're going to do. When you go home today and you tell your family, hey, we're just going to worship God. We're just going to shout, not at each other. We're going to shout to the heavenlies. We're going to shout to the voice of the Lord. We're going to shout and give God a triumph, and all of a sudden, things are going to start taking place. Yes, they will. Yes, they will, church. Prom I promise you they will. What else? Joash had an arrow. Elijah said, go hit the arrow. He only hits it three times. Should have hit it six or time, eight times, ten times, twelve times. Then the army would have just been dismayed. They would have been dismantled. We have to start doing things the way God wants us to do them. Can you say amen? In the New Testament, the widow woman only had two mites, but Jesus says she gave everything. What do you have? The woman with the issue of blood, she had faith and virtue, left Jesus' body. What do you have? The little boy only had two fish, and Jesus fed 5,000 men. Think about that. What do you have? Jesus said if you have faith, you'll move mountains. Zephaniah said, if you'll rejoice, sing, and shout to the Lord, he stands at attention. 
Now all of a sudden you got the king's attention, huh? What, what, what about Hebrews? We, we were in a 5K race yesterday. I ran my first 5K race. And, and I finished. That's a, a, yay. Andrew finished tied for third. So that was a big deal. 140 runners or so. And so uh, I noticed that when you run the race, the first, the guys that come in first, they only have a few family members there clapping them. But the people like us that come in like middle of the pack, there's a bigger crowd cheering you on. It was really nice to, to, to see the runners support each other, which again should be what church people do, right? Support each other. Christ followers should, should be supporting each other. And so I came around the corner and they, I had a, a time in mind that I wanted to beat. And I was actually within that time frame. And so uh, it was, it, Janie was like rooting me on, come on, hurry. And Andrew's like, sprint, sprint. Well, you know, I'm an old fat guy. There ain't a whole lot of sprint left in me. I was looking across the finish line, and I did, but it was like, it was cool. People were clapping and cheering on. Hear me, the author of Hebrews said that there's a balcony in heaven that people are standing, looking over, giving you a shout every day of your life. What do you have? You have a cloud of witnesses and glory that are looking upon you saying, you can do it, 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 you can do it. Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep trying. You can do it. It's there. We've done it. We've got, we've run our phrase. Now it's you. You got the baton. What do you have? You have, you, John had a vision and Paul only had a pen in prison and those two wrote three-fourths of the whole New Testament. What do you have? And so I started to ask the Lord, what do we have? He says, he says, you have hands that are weapons of war. Every time you clap, there's something that takes place in the heavenlies. Angels start to stand at attention. And this is biblical, by the way, that when we clap, we have weapons of war. Can you give the Lord a clap, shout right now for a moment? Can you break down the heavenlies just for a moment? Can you break things apart even for somebody else? Can somebody just get serious and say, wait a second, there's a breakthrough coming in somebody's life. The Bible says that our feet are weapons of war as well, that wherever we trod, the word tread is barak. It's wherever we're willing to do battle. Mamas who have a son or a daughter away from Jesus, okay? Daddies who you're looking for a job. You have battleground right here. You can walk around your house, your home, your city, your, your, your business, and you can say, God, I'm, doing, I'm willing to do battle for someone today. That's why it's important for us to go out on Wednesdays and knock on doors. What are we doing? We're not evangelizing as much as we're doing battle in the heavenlies. It's important. You have feet to do, to do battle. You have the word of God to profess and proclaim. Do you know even in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Bible as we know it? In the New Testament, they were just formulating the Bible as we know it. We have the Word of God. People have it on their phone. They have it on their iPad. They have it uh, in their car. They have it in their house. They have it multiple places in their house. We have it in the church. You have God's Word. When we start to profess that, good things start to happen. You have eyes that see things spiritually, church. We're looking at the reality of, the, of real life, which is temporal and is going to pass away. We're not looking at the real deal. We're not looking at, oh, wait a second. 
when there's a story in 2 Kings and it's Elisha and he's going to go to battle and Gehazi is not really a God follower. I don't think he really likes God. He steals a little bit. He cheats a little bit. And, and so him and Elisha, they're going to fight a battle and all around him, there's just an army. And Eli uh, Gehazi is just shaking. He's nervous as can be. And uh, Elisha says, uh, oh, we're going to win this battle. He's like, what, what do you mean we're going to win this battle? He knows who he is. He's a cheat and he does things wrong. And Elisha's a man of God. And, and Elisha don't care because, you know, the guy before him got just taken up into heaven. So he's like, well, I'm just going to be here fighting all by myself. And Elisha says, God, would you open his eyes? And above them were angels upon angels and chariots of fire and horses. And, and little Gehazi said, let's go get him now. Some See, you have been given the privilege to see things spiritually. You don't, you don't need to get caught up in worldly deals. You don't need to get up caught up in, in worldly finances or what's going on, what's this guy doing, and how's this guy doing, and how'd you vote, and you're wearing this or not wearing that. You don't need to get caught up in that. I'm not saying you don't need to respect people's opinions and people's matter and all those things, but you need to say, wait a second, my eyes are not here all the time. My eyes are there. My eyes are on what's happening in the spiritual realm. My eyes are on, on kingdom set. And then he says, the, the Bible says that, and we're going to sing it here in a minute, that when you open your mouth, you can declare miracles. Miracles can jump out. I, I have been in that realm, and maybe you too, where I needed a miracle. And you know what I've done? I've opened my mouth and declared them. I mean, I didn't take a class. I didn't go to school for miracles. I just believed in what God said. Lord, in your word, said, you said that if I pray, I can move mountains. I want that mountain move right now. You said, Lord, if I lay my hands in Mark 16, that that person will be healed. Then I can lay my hands, that person is going to be healed in Jesus' name. I've seen it with my wife. I've seen it with my daughter. I've seen it with my son. I've seen it with my mother-in-law. I've seen it with people in our church. I've seen it all around. And it's not because we're anything special other than the fact that we believe the word of God. And we profess those things. And when you open your mouth, miracles can come out. You, that's part of your tool chest. That's what God's given you. Jesus said, I'm going to go, but when I go, when I go I'm going to come back. I, I'm going to send the, the comforter. He gives you power to witness and to share. And then last but certainly not least, before we, come on back, worship team. Your body runs. Your body runs. This is what you have in your tool chest. Your body runs if you're a Christ follower with the blood of Jesus Christ. Your body runs with the blood of Jesus Christ. It covers all of your sins. He's baptized you with the spirit of living God. If you choose to be, you can baptize with the Holy Spirit. Your sins are covered with the blood, and that blood runs through your veins. Why is that important? Because I don't know what the most important tool is in your chest, physically, materially, reality. But the most important tool in anybody's tool chest is that blood of Jesus Christ running through us. It empowers us. The Bible says in John 1 and 12 that they that call upon the Lord, he gives them the power, the right, the authority to become sons and daughters of Almighty God. Sons and daughters. That's what you are. So now he's given you a tool chest and he stocked it well full of spiritual things that when you worship, heaven sends that attention. When you pray to God in the name of Jesus Christ, you have God's attention. You have angels that are camped all around about you. Why is it then that we walk around feeling defeated? Why is it then that we walk around saying, hey, I'm not sure it's going to work out? Why don't we just say, 
man, my faith, hope, trust, believe, and confidence is in the mighty hand of God. And however he wants to use me, he can. Would you stand with me this morning right where you're at? I want you to contemplate this this week. Maybe was there something you said that wasn't very kind? Because the Bible says in uh, the scripture we read, Judges 15, verse 14, that the Spirit of God rushed on Samson. And I feel like if we do what Paul says, we're kind to everyone, okay? We're, 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 we're treating our opponents with gentleness. We're, we're living a life uh, 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 of responsibility. We're, we're doing the things that, that then the, the Spirit of God will rush upon us, and all of a sudden He gives us that wisdom, He gives us that power, He gives us that understanding that we can understand what the situation is going to look like. We can pray, and all of a sudden things move in the heavenlies, and God makes a way where there seemeth to be none. So if you're here today, close your eyes and bow your head just for a moment. If you're watching online, just 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 uh, close your eyes for just a second. And if there, if you need tools in your tool chest, I want you just to ask God right now. Lord, I, I need I, I need to know how to pray. I need to know how to worship. I, I need to know how to have more faith. God, I need uh, certain things in my tool says, Lord, let me let me use them. And the more that contractor, the more that, that, that labor, the more that servant uses their tools, the better they become with them. So the more that you use your faith, the more that you use your worship, the more that you use your praise, the more that you declare miracles out of your mouth, the, the, the sharper you'll get with them, the better you'll be with them. But you have to start somewhere, somehow, sometime. So if you're comfortable doing so, just raise your hands towards heaven right now and start to perform some miracles that you might need in your life or the miracle that you might know someone might need in their in their home or someone that's in the, you know in the hospital or, or someone that's going through a, a, tra a traumatic incident or a situation or a financial crisis you you start to prophesy you start to proclaim you start to witness you start to share you start to declare those and then as they sing this song which goes uh, totally with with this message and you become the champion that God has called you to be father I pray right now. Lord, that as people have their hands raised, both in-house and online, and they're declaring those miracles, they're declaring, Lord, to be a champion, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to fill their tool chest full of those spiritual tools that will give them the power, Lord, to do and be, Lord, the, the child of the living God you call them to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's worship together. God bless you.
Amen. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus in this place. That was a powerful word, wasn't it? Amen. I know that some of you here today are facing a battle. Um, on the prayer team, we get text messages throughout the week, and we have been bombarded with just the prayer requests coming in. And don't take that the wrong way. We want to know what's happening. But it was just, I was telling Charity, just like all of a sudden, just like, wow, so many things going on in people's lives. All at the same time, it's like we're under attack, where there's a, a war going on. And I know many of you here are some of the ones that have given us those prayer requests. And I can't imagine thinking uh, how inadequate we feel in this battle that we are facing. I know sometimes I feel like I'm in a battle and I wish I had a tool chest on wheels with just drawers and drawers and drawers of tools. And it's sometimes I feel like I just have a coffee can full of, a, there's a hammer and a crowbar and roll of duct tape. And that's what I have to go against this thing. Sometimes it feels like we just have a jawbone and we're going against an army. Sometimes it feels like we have two fish or it feels like we have two mites and we come before the Lord and we say, this is all I have. But the good news is that's all that you need. Amen. If you just give God all you have, if you literally just give him everything, it doesn't matter how much it is as long as it's everything, because that's all that he wants. He's not impressed with the tools that we have. He wants our heart. He wants everything we have. And as I looked around here today and I saw people going through a battle, and I know there are people watching online that couldn't be here today because they have COVID, or people that have, in our church, that have a mother in ICU on a ventilator. And there are people sitting here that have just lost someone very close to them. People here that are looking for a home and they're about to be a homeless or people that are, are looking for uh, transportation issues. People in the first service who just lost their job because of COVID and they're just trying to figure things out. And I'm looking around this room and I'm wondering, how are you still here? How are you still worshiping? How are you still, because you've learned something that you can put your faith in things that cannot be shaken. You put your faith in your foundation is in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will never be disappointed because you have learned something that no matter how deep the valley goes, no matter how hard the trial is, that we can put our hope, our faith, and our trust in the one who is Jesus Christ. So lift your hands up to him right now. doesn't matter what battle you are going through right now. We're going to pray one more time as we close this service. And we're going to surrender it all to Jesus Christ. And I challenge you that when you feel like you only have a jawbone, when you feel like you only have a roll of duct tape in your toolbox, that you can lift up your voice because you will always have your praise. And if I'm talking to you today and you're on a ventilator and you don't even have that, And I just challenge you today just to, just to lift your hand or to praise God on behalf of somebody who can't even praise God. On behalf of your son who's ran away from the Lord, you can do battle in your praise. You can open up your mouth like that song said and the miracles start coming out. So as if your life or the life of someone you depended on it is, is depending on it, let's praise him one last time today in our prayers and in our praise and let's give it to God today. Lord, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus and we command every wall to come down 
in Jesus' name. We take authority over every sickness, over every disease. We take authority over every person in this church that is sick and that is dying, and we declare that they will live and not die, declares the word of the Lord. We declare the finished work of Calvary over every person that's struggling right now, every person that's looking for a job, every person that needs a financial miracle. Lord, we lift up our voice and we praise you. We declare that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the most high God. In the middle of our battle, God, we don't lose focus. We choose to put our faith in you. We put our trust in you. We will not put our things in this, in the hope in the things of this world, in the government, in medicine. Lord, we praise God for all that. But we praise you as the author and the factor of our faith. Lord, you are the alpha and the omega. You are the beginning and the end. You are the first and the last. You are our healer. You are our strong tower. You are our deliverer. You are our strength. You are our God in whom we will trust and we will look to you. We will never give up. God, knowing that you are our God and our very present help in the time of need. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Come on, one more time. Let's lift up our voice. Let's give God a shout of praise. We're on the winning side. Jesus is our champion. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select Give. We can't wait to see you next week.